Howdy, folks. It's Tuesday, May 17th. I'm Jacob Cohen here with Hustle Writer Rob Litters, and you are listening to The Hustle Daily Show. Later in today's episode, we're going to discuss a major beef over NFTs that's shaking the sneaker industry, which is very near and dear to Rob's heart. But before we get into that, here's a quick look at what else is going on in the world of business and tech. Let's get crack lacking. Rob, what are you looking at today? Okay, first thing I'm looking at right now is a really fiery acquisition battle over Spirit Airlines, which in February, Frontier and Spirit announced plans to merge to basically create an ultra low fare airline. So both Frontier and Spirit are low fare kind of discount airlines. Yeah. And if they combined, it would be the fifth largest airline in the US. Okay. In the deal, Frontier would be buying Spirit for $2.8 billion at a share price of $25.83. Okay. Right. So Spirit accepts this deal. It's kind of moving forward. Sure. But then in April, JetBlue came knocking and offered to buy Spirit for $33 per share. Mm. But Spirit turned them down because they feel like there's no chance that a JetBlue acquisition will get through regulators. Okay. And the reason is JetBlue is not a discount airline. So it would essentially give their combined entity kind of upscale fares along with low scale fares. And I think that combination is something that Spirit was kind of worried would freak out regulators. Yeah. So Spirit rejects JetBlue's offering, right? Because they're afraid it's going to get shut down. So they just don't really think that the deal has legs. And now JetBlue is getting hostile. So they essentially asked Spirit shareholders to vote against the Frontier deal, arguing that JetBlue is offering a 60% premium to Frontier. Sure. So what's interesting here is if the Spirit Frontier deal goes through, the combined entity would jump to the fifth biggest airline. One of the airlines that would jump is JetBlue. So yeah, I do like JetBlue, but I feel like they're probably going to lose this deal. <laughs> yeah. JC, what are you seeing? Yeah, so I came across this wild stat that TikTok's ads site, the site that businesses will go to to set up ads on TikTok, saw a 200% increase in the first quarter in terms of internet traffic, Jeez. like site visits year over year, which is a big deal because if you look at the traffic to all the other big social media platforms, ad sites, nothing even comes remotely close to that, which I guess is reasonable because if you just think about how popular it's become over the pandemic, it makes sense, right? And I just thought it would be worthwhile to kind of dive into how that kind of growth happens. And for context, last year, the average U.S. TikTok user spent the equivalent of more than two entire nonstop weeks what? using the app. So think about that. Two entire weeks every day, 14 days. That's the average user? Oh, my God. Average user. So before the pandemic, right, I feel like few people had even heard of TikTok. Today, 36% of all Americans over the age of 12 are using TikTok. So big change there. How does something like that happen? So by incrementally letting creators upload videos up to 10 minutes long over the last couple of years, up from its original 15 second limit, you know, dancing dopamine hit videos. Right. And this coupled with a user experience that psychologists have literally noted is no different than a slot machine in Vegas has helped TikTok pull in more content, pull in more variety of creators, more variety of eyeballs and more money, of course. And speaking of money, this year, TikTok's expected to triple revenue to about 12 billion is a wow. private company. So it's hard to say exactly. 
but it still has a lot to figure out. It's still tinkering with creator monetization. Data privacy is top of mind. It's banned in India. And former employees have reported navigating 85 hours of meetings per week outside of their normal work in TikTok. That's insane. <laughs> I mean, the Wall Street Journal came out with that report recently, and I had to do a few double takes when I read that number. Yeah. 85 hours of meetings per week outside of their normal work. Insanity. So. I mean, you basically can't have <laughs> yeah. a weekend, right? Like, There's no exactly. way. It's Goodness. really crazy, but it's a popular place to work. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, in other news, Jeff Bezos and the Biden administration have been going at it on Twitter after Biden tweeted on Friday, you want to bring down inflation? Let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. Bezos responded by accusing him of misdirection, saying raising corporate taxes is fine to discuss. Taming inflation is critical to discuss. Mushing them together is just misdirection. And there is more back and forth between Bezos and administration officials that ensued on Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, shares of Twitter have given up all their gains since Elon Musk disclosed his 9% stake in the company. Much of the downturn happened after Elon Musk set the deals on pause as he gets more information into how the company counts the number of spam accounts on the platform. In a series of tweets on Monday, CEO Parag Agrawal outlined how Twitter combats spam, adding that they can't publicly disclose any of the specific details of the process to which Musk replied. So how do advertisers know what they're getting for their money? And he also replied to one of Agrawal tweets with a poop emoji so there's that <laughs> and finally mcdonald's said it would sell its business in russia over the country's invasion of ukraine in march mcdonald's said it would temporarily close its almost 900 restaurants there while continuing to pay the 62,000 employees there the company's first restaurant there opened in moscow in 1990 and served more than 30,000 people on its first day and with that I believe it is time to discuss a topic I know is very heartfelt and personal to you, Rob. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I would necessarily call myself a sneakerhead, but yeah, there's a crazy beef brewing in the sneaker industry right now. And what makes it interesting is obviously the stock market has been plummeting lately and alternative assets are kind of gaining steam. And we wrote about one of them last week. We wrote about the art market and how this could be a really big year for art. But another alternative asset that's been growing like crazy is sneakers and mm. and collectibles in general. But sneakers specifically have really blown up over the last few years, thanks to Jordan brand, um, Kanye West's Yeezy model. Sure. One of the reasons that it has blown up is this marketplace called StockX, which has grown incredibly popular. It was valued at $3.8 billion in 2021 and is hinted at a forthcoming IPO. So some big plans for StockX. But it has some big time beef right now, probably with the one company that it doesn't want to have beef with, which is Nike. Oh, <laughs> what happened is in January of this year, StockX launched Vault NFTs, which basically lets users on StockX purchase NFTs that aren't actually digital shoes, but actually listings for physical products that are held in a secure StockX vault. Interesting. So it's basically like a digital listing for a shoe that actually exists in real life that you essentially hold the rights to with this NFT. In February, Nike sued StockX, claiming that the company was blatantly free riding on its trademarks with <laughs> this vault NFT product. But now the suit has evolved. So last week, Nike filed to add two new charges to the suit, counterfeiting and false advertising. Ugh. Nike claimed it bought four pairs of counterfeit sneakers from StockX. All four pairs included a receipt claiming 100% authenticity, and they were all fake. 
And StockX countered calling Nike's claims baseless. Yeah. But basically, StockX is saying that Nike's only doing it to try to revive this NFT case, which hasn't really been gaining any steam. So I was reading this guy, Michael Sykes, who writes a newsletter called The Kicks You Wear. It's an awesome newsletter about the sneaker industry. If you're into sneakers, you have to read it. And basically what he was saying here is like everybody kind of knows that there are fakes on StockX here and there. It's it's kind of right. like a well-known fact by the people that use it. But basically by bringing this to light, Nike is really kind of throwing a lot of shade on the StockX name because this is obviously getting a ton of headlines. Yeah. StockX countered calling the claims baseless, like I mentioned, but they also included some really juicy details in their rebuttal. First of all, Nike's own brand protection team has approved of StockX's authentication systems. Also, and they threw this in there, did not provide a lot of detail. It's one of those kind of scandalous lines that who knows what this actually means. But StockX said that several Nike executives actively buy and sell shoes on the platform. So (laughs) (laughs) causing some serious drama there. Um, Yeah, a lot of pot stirring on both sides. (laughs) Seriously, seriously. so I did. I talked to Mike about this and basically like asked him, what does this lawsuit mean and, and what does it kind of project for the future of the sneaker industry? And he basically said that he does think the counterfeiting claims are kind of a distraction and that the suit is really about NFTs and could seriously set legal precedents on what fair use means for virtual goods going forward. So it's actually a really important case to watch, I think, yeah. on that front. Um, the really interesting thing here, so... The two most popular brands on StockX are just Nike and Jordan brand, so right. which Nike owns. So yeah. what could like if this continues to escalate, there's probably a world where Nike would pull some of its goods or try to fight having its goods on StockX, which would be very, very bad for StockX. So there's probably yeah. a point in this lawsuit where it might not necessarily make sense for StockX to continue fighting. I'm no legal expert, <laughs> yeah. but it just doesn't really seem like a super smart idea to kind of, Mike described it as kind of biting the hand that feeds you. Yeah. I mean, this is so interesting because you're going to see similar trends to what's happened in the physical world. So what you're going to see now as digital goods become bigger and bigger is companies like Nike trying to do the same thing online. They don't want other people to take advantage of their IP and trademarks and logo if they can do it themselves and sell it themselves and It's going to be really interesting to see how the physical legal challenges manifest in a digital world where authentication and ownership uh, is easier to validate. validate. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. If people are going to be wearing Nikes in Fortnite or wherever else the metaverse is taking place, Roblox, whatever, Nike doesn't want anybody else putting them on people's feet. They want to be the only ones that are supplying those. Which I think it is funny. I think StockX probably actually has a point here. Like, listen, guys, we're not selling digital sneakers. I don't know. I think Nike just wants to kind of ward that off as fast as they can and and nip that in the bud so it doesn't evolve past it. But going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. For sure. All right. Bada bing, bada boom. That is it, folks. If you like what you heard today, we've got a lot more tech and business coverage over at thehustle.co. I'm Jacob Cohen here with Rob Litter. Star editor is Robert Hartwick. Our executive producer is Darren Clark. Thanks for tuning in to The Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. See you tomorrow.